0: Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, our guest is Dr. Mark Van Rymanem. He is the founder of DataFlock, of Maven, and the author of The Organization of Tomorrow. Hi, Mark, how are you doing today? Hi, Neil. Very good. Thank you. Glad to be on your show. Great, Neil. I'm very excited to talk to you today because you are the kind of person that we love talking to. You're someone who lives in the future. (laughs) You talk about things that are in the future, but you're very active in, in creating that future and creating a better future for us to get to. So why don't you start off just telling us a little bit about yourself and about the companies you have?
1: Sure. So I have a bit of an, a, a hybrid background, I would say. So I've been an entrepreneur for about nine or ten years now. Um, indeed, I found, founded a data vlog, uh, a few years ago. I founded a Maven, um, uh, written three books, uh, did a PhD on how big data, blockchain, and AI are changing organizations. So I'm a bit of a, an entrepreneur, a bit of a semi-academic, I would say. Um, and um, I'm helping organizations
0: understanding digital transformation. Yeah, and I love the fact that you are an academic. You write about very intense stuff, but you're also someone who's very active in the business world. You've been able to merge both things very well together. So it's great to speak to you. Oh, that's great to hear. All right, so your book's called The Organization of Tomorrow. There's a lot of great stuff in it. You yourself are a bit of an expert in blockchain and AI and lots of things like that. But let's zoom out first and just talk about the organization of tomorrow. What is it going to look like? How will the nature of work change significantly over the next 10, 20 years? So lead us off with that. How do you want to start?
1: Well, I think... The nature of work will definitely change in the, in the coming years, and I think um, um, if there's if there's one thing that COVID nineteen has shown is that that organisations can change dr- dramatically if they need to need to change. Uh, you know, all of a sudden we've been able to to start working from home uh, or working remotely. Uh, which uh, up to uh, this year was not really possible. And I think what we, we we've seen happening here is that you know more organizations are becoming you know digital organizations or or data organizations. I'd, I'd like to say, um, um, and of course, have, uh, with the digital employee being an important um, aspect of that, uh, uh, an employee using digital technologies to basically work from anywhere in the world but still being able to 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 to, to, to remain productive. And I think one of the the main things that we, that we see and and have seen in the past few years is that um, uh, new technologies are new technologies are really changing the game, and and they're becoming uh, you know uh, ever more advanced. Um, but all these technologies that are being uh, developed, they have all one thing in common, and that they all create data. Um, and I think if you have that perspective, that you know that the technologies that you can use um, uh, all create data, you can use that data to improve your your your, your, your organization. Um, I think yeah you get a different perspective on on how you can run your business. And those companies that have been able to do so, um, uh, and we, of course, we all know the the, the examples of of you know uh, Uber being the largest taxi company without taxis, and Netflix without you know the largest cinema house without any cinemas. Um, um, but it, it shows that these companies they take a different approach. You know, they take an approach uh, a data first approach, um, and uh, that's what I always try to tell organizations that if you really want to be ready for tomorrow, you have to have this this. Change in perspective, uh, which I would, which I like to call, uh, you have to achieve a gestalt shift. A very uh, a beautiful word, I think, uh, <laughs> personally.
0: Yeah, uh, a very appropriate word.
1: Um, And uh, for those who who, who might not be aware of what it means, we have this famous uh, image where uh, on the one hand you see a duck and on the other hand you see a a rabbit, uh, but you can't see them both at the same time. So either you see a duck or you see a rabbit. And that change between uh, perspectives is what is called a gestalt shift. And that's what organizations also need to achieve um, if
0: they want to be be ready for this data-driven future that we are actually already in. Yeah, give us an example of an organization that you've seen that has made this transition to becoming or to start seeing themselves as a data organization.
1: Yeah, so I think one of the the, the most Uh, interesting examples that that I've been uh, uh, that I I know is a a German company called Kieser Compressors Um, uh, it's uh, not not your first company that you would think of uh, but they they create these massive uh, uh, ventilation machines you know for air ventilation machines for for, uh, factories Um, uh, a German company over 100 years old I think um, you know very traditional product company Uh, and over the years they've managed to completely change that Uh, they used to sell these massive machines for a lot of money um, and uh, if it would break down you would give them a call they would come to fix it they would charge you etc very traditional but then they saw the opportunity of, of becoming a data driven organization and they changed into from a product company into a service company and they now sell air as a service which i think you know being making money with selling air is quite cool um uh, And uh, basically what they do is they give you this machine for free, they install it for free, um, and you pay per cubic meter of air consumed. And they use predictive analytics to understand uh, what the status is of the machine and if it is about to break down, and they fix it before it breaks down. Because, of course, if it breaks down, the machine doesn't consume any air, and the company doesn't make any money. Um, I think this is a fantastic example of like a, a, this Gestalt shift that I was talking about um, uh, because you know for if a, if a very traditional German company that sells massive machines to to circulate and clean air can become
0: a data driven organisation, then any organisation can. Yeah, I love that example that you gave because for a lot of us, I think we understand the business models of Google. We understand how Facebook makes money using all this data and that they see themselves as a data organization. But it's often hard for us to look at our existing model of business and to convert it to something like that. So this is a great example, and I think that that helps people to see how they can kind of change their mindset and really embrace data from that standpoint.
1: But it really means that organizations, uh, they have to start... You know, embedding smartness in the organization and of course you can't embed smartness in your entire organization all at once uh, you really need to to start thinking at you know at all your different processes and your customer touch points you need to start to, to basically rethink them one by one until you become this this smart uh, data-driven organization um, and um, it, it starts with very small processes of how you deal with your customers for example um, until uh, making the uh, providing uh, over-the-air updates to your, to your machines, uh, which are distributed across the globe, for example. Um, and, you, know, you of course, you can't change your entire business all at once. It takes
0: time, and you need to uh, uh, basically start small uh, and grow from there. Yeah, one of the themes of our show is talking about technology and specifically the relationship we have with technology. So one question I often ask is, what do you think is a good framework to have as we think about the relationship that humans and technology should have as co-workers, as partners, as tools? How do you see humans and technology working together in the best case scenario? Well, I think leaders should see that relationship between humans and
1: machine can be a very positive one. Um, and um, it is also one that, that, that is you know, uh, a relationship that we'll see more and more often where uh, humans and machines are, are going to work together for the for the greater good. Um, and um, uh, once you have, a, a, lot of, a few years ago, I think I wrote an article about how AI can make organizations more humane. Um, and what I meant with that is that um, if our, if, you know, artificial intelligence, or in other organizations, for example, robotics, and take over the mundane tasks. Uh, your employees can focus more on, on your customer. Um, and uh, if you focus, if you take care of your customer, as I always say, your customers will take, take care of your shareholders. So if you are a really customer focused a customer oriented organization and you use technology to to achieve that um then in the end i think you will become a better organization and your customers will be yeah will will like you more because you are more customer focused uh, so uh, i think for leaders is you shouldn't be afraid to 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 uh, uh, welcome technology uh, within your within your business uh, um even if it would uh, it, it will make your organization more efficient. Um, it will change your jobs. It will change the work to be done. Um, but it does not does not necessarily have to be a bad thing. You can use the free time
0: to, to become a more customer-friendly or customer-oriented organization. Well, let's talk about trust for a while. Usually we don't talk about trust with technology, but it really does have maybe a, an image problem or, or just in the ways that it's been misused. By companies in the past. I think we're in the midst of a lot of documentaries and other things out there that talk about the misuses of technology. And I think people often have that hesitancy to say, well, maybe we shouldn't be involved in these things. We don't, we're not doing it the right way. So how can we have a better understanding of rebuilding the trust that we should have with technology and with data?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah
0: so I think we, we, it
1: is safe to say that unfortunately trust is at an all-time low uh, at the moment around the world uh, whether it's in, in online media or news whether it's in in, 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 in leaders in the leadership in governments uh, uh, in companies uh, you know trust is at an all-time low low and which is I think is, is very problematic um but from an organization perspective what you can do is you know when you digitally transform your organization you should have a balance you know a balance between uh, the technology that you need have the skills that you require the culture the and your profit and that's why i said you know you should have a customer focused, the customer oriented approach you know where you first take care of your customers um, and then comes to the rest um, and if you have that approach um, you will not start harvesting uh, your customers data and sell it for a profit because you know that your customers don't like that and probably in the long run you will uh, you know uh, uh, it will be bad for business so i'm a big, you know, uh, proponent of, of, of uh, GDPR first or, you know, privacy first, um, uh, uh, where your customers own your own data, where uh, there's transparency in what kind of algorithms you use and how those algorithms op- operate. Uh, I think if, if we become, you know, these organizations that are opaque, uh, where customers... You know are really only a money making machine um i think we we ha- we have a problem as as a society as well so uh, I think there's a lot of work to be done um and and um I think we should as a as a society demand that that organizations become more customer focused and, and and become more uh yeah, privacy aware that they protect your privacy instead of just selling it for the for the for the highest uh, for the highest dollars
0: yeah I don't think anyone sets out to become like the next Cambridge Analytica, like that's nobody's goal as they're going through this. But there's often these small steps we take along the way and we don't realize how far we've got there about how we're abusing the data that we have. So what are some things you would suggest for companies to recognize as they're dealing with their customers' data? What are some guidelines or or goal guardrails that we could talk about, sanity checks that are just there to make sure that you are staying in the right path? What are some good principles for that?
1: Sure. Well, I think um, a standard practice should be uh, having uh, your data security in order, having encryption in order. Um, uh, because if your um, uh, data is not stored encrypted, or you know, and and you will be and you are being hacked. And I've always said, you know, that, that that every organization will be hacked. You know, and and if you're not being hacked, you're simply not not important enough or not big enough. Um, and um, you should your starting point should be that you will be hacked. And what if you are being hacked what happens to the data that you have from your customers So that's i think one thing you know make sure that the data is safe hey, your customers trust you with their data it's not your data it's their data um, and um, you should take that very serious as an organization uh, just like you don't want your bank to just you know uh, yeah, <laughs> make sure that your your money is being stolen from the bank and I think that's sort of the same approach that we should have. We should take data a lot more uh, serious um, and uh, that you can't just share your email list with your friend or your, I don't know, whomever. yeah. Um, your customers entrust you with this data, with their data, and you should you should respect that.
0: Mark, you have one article out that I really enjoyed that's about how AI is going to change the face of work. And a lot of the same themes you, you talk about here are th- themes we talk about. So let, let me just start with this one about collaboration. Collaboration itself, I feel like, is in the middle of uh, a lot of options out there, I guess, Uh, a lot of different ways. There's a lot of disparate tools out there that are hard to connect sometimes or to figure out where communication is and where collaboration is going to happen. So how is AI, do you think, going to have a positive effect on the way that we collaborate in the workplace?
1: Well, I think... As I mentioned earlier, AI will have, will on the one hand make your organization more humane, so it can take over a lot of these, these mundane tasks. Um, and, uh, that, that, that's one thing. But on the other hand, uh, you know, especially for the larger organizations, um, uh, uh, finding, and especially also when we are becoming working more, more remotely, um, uh, finding the right, uh, colleague who has the right information that you are looking for in dealing with your uh, customer 's request, um, I think that that becomes uh, a, a very uh, a lot more important now, How can you find the right knowledge uh, within you know an organization of one hundred thousand employees? And, and how can you use that knowledge that, that is there in that's that is in the somewhere in the organization that is very difficult to find? Um, and you can, you know, of course, use a, a conversational AI for that, where you um, uh, um, use um, uh, uh, maybe a virtual agent or so to talk to uh, and to, to help you find uh, uh, answer questions that you have about your company or about certain products. Uh, so, I think it makes. AI can help you to, to uh, make the knowledge within your organization uh, um, a lot easier to find. Uh, and that will help in also your colleagues, your employees, collaborate easier with each other as well.
0: Yeah, that makes me think of the idea of just institutional knowledge. A lot of times you have that one guy that's been working at the company for 35, 40 years and just knows everything. And they know where to go for everything and they know who to ask for everything. But once that person is not there anymore, you don't know where to go. And you, you need that kind of single source to be able to access that. And especially as, as organizations are changing quickly, it's difficult just to have that one person that knows all that. So I see this as a great chance for AI to, to fill that role, I guess, of that that old guy that just knows everything that's there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that would uh, make a h- help, you know, uh, especially, for example, if you are a new, uh, a new person in the company and uh, you start uh, your first day in the office uh, from your living room, uh, which is uh, quite common nowadays. Um, and uh, it, it's very useful if you have uh, uh, an AI that you can, can trust on, can you rely on, of, of helping you find uh, those
0: employees, those colleagues that you need to talk to to, to help you in your work. Okay, also in this article you talk about how AI can affect leadership and culture, so um, you've been talking about how AI can make us more humane. What about in these areas?
1: Well I think one of the things that once you become a data-driven uh, organization, one of the things that changes your, is the whole decision-making process in the past, it was very common that you uh, would make decisions uh, once every month or, or once every week or so. but if you have AI uh, embedded in your organization um, uh, um, you you'll have real-time insights. Um, uh, you will have real time insights. You will have real time foresights, um, and I think um, you know those. You have to do something with that information. And um, on, on the one hand, that that makes sure that your your leadership team should become um, uh, you know uh, really on the dot of what's going on, and your organization have to uh, uh, make changes more uh, rapidly. But on the other hand, we also see um, that there is a power shift within the organization because all of a sudden, not only the, the top level uh, of the organization have that information, but anyone has that information and can act accordingly. Um, and I think that sort of democratizes uh, knowledge within your business um, and that will only come um, yeah, result in better products and better services.
0: Yeah, great. Uh, the last topic I wanted to talk through from this article was the difference between computer-assisted work and human-assisted work. And I really like this framework. So help us understand how we can organize a company around those thoughts. Well, I think we should
1: really use you know, computers to make our work easier. Um, and, and they can help us in in, 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 in uh, you know finding knowledge faster, uh, writing better emails, uh, creating better products, um, uh, uh, disseminating the, the uh, you know uh, the knowledge with among your customers uh, uh, for your products, um, and and co creates new products with that. Um, and I think this 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 computer assisted work will help really, yeah, result in the end in in, in creating better. Uh, uh, by companies and there's a bit of an uh, off uh, off-topic uh, 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 example uh, that, that comes to mind right now is that researchers from, M- I think, MIT, they created uh, an AI government uh, where they used AI um, to sort of uh, determine the policies within the government. And uh, the result was that the AI was better at, 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 at making an, uh, uh, an economy more equal um, and uh, you know closing the gap between the rich and the poor, uh, which I thought was a fascinating example of, of how AI uh, can help you um, uh, uh, creating better decisions, and doesn't not necessarily mean that AI should take over all the decisions. Because I think it's also sometimes uh, uh, it's very important that we, that we humans are still in the loop when we make decisions. Um, especially because, unfortunately, a lot of AI is also biased. So we have to be careful of not. Trusting everything to uh, to artificial intelligence, uh, but that combination of where you know uh, AI can sift through you know uh, billions and billions of data points to give you some in, some some uh, recommendations, and then we humans we make the best decision.
0: Uh, we make the decision how to move forward. I think that is a very strong combination. Yeah, when I read this, I was thinking about a conversation we had with Heather Joel before, who was talking about you know she she runs the processes for a medical company that handles you know hundred thousand items that go through a process every day and so it's just impossible for a human to lead that work and so really she was saying look the the systems and the processes are the ones that that lead the work we as humans are the ones who handle the exceptions and we're assisting the computers in in cases where it doesn't know what to do and i think that's an important topic to think about that there's some work that we're going to do better and uh, computers can help us with and other work that computers do well and we can help the computers with so I, i like that concept
1: think well, I think it is a, it's, it's a partnership between humans and machines, you know, we help each other. And uh, uh, some areas, machines will be much better at doing their jobs than, than we humans are, uh, and vice versa. So we, uh, uh, AI can, can augment humans, but humans can also augment AI. Um, and uh, I think the combination of that is what is, uh, what is most
0: powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Mark, before we close this conversation, I wanted to turn back to this conversation about trust, uh, which leads into what you're doing at Maven. So tell us about that. Sure. So
1: I think with uh, what we see happening at the moment uh, in, in in the world is that the trust in, in media is at an all-time low. Um, and I think that is uh, seriously problematic. And maybe you've seen the, the documentary, The Social Dilemma, which sort of goes into this topic of, of, of all the misinformation that's going on uh, around the world, whether it's uh, around COVID-19, whether it's uh, the the elections or any elections anywhere in the world uh, um, or uh, climate change. Um, And what we try to do with with Maven is to offer uh, Internet users um, uh, uh, the possibility to instantly recognize whether or not they can trust a certain article that they read, share or engage in. And we do this by uh, basically as a, a, a partnership between AI and, and humans where uh, we use, on the one hand, artificial intelligence, which, is, which, which will be completely open source and completely transparent, um, to give a first of sort of a base rating of an article. Uh, uh, so what is the trust score of an article? Can I trust this article? And it, it will look at, at parameters such as uh, the likelihood is written by bot or the, the, the t- number of biases. Or uh, is it opinionated, or is it fact-based, etc.? Um, but then we move to the crowd, where we ask the crowd to rate the article based on four parameters: being trustworthiness, uh, uh, bias, factual correctness, and quality. And the more crowd ratings we get, you know, the um, uh, the, the the lower the impact of the artificial intelligence will be. Um, and when the crowd rates those articles, we take into account the reputation and the expertise of the crowd. So an expert on a certain topic will have more weight than an, a non-expert. And uh, once you have rated an article, only then you are allowed to leave a comment uh, underneath the article. Uh, so which we hope that we that the the, the quality of engagement will will go up. Um, and together we uh, we we sort of build a yeah, almost an IMDb for for written content, and uh, which we hope that. Uh, people who read or engage with uh, with articles, whether it's uh, on a publisher's website or on social media or on WhatsApp, um, they can see this this Maven Trust Score um, and then can decide uh, yeah, what to do with it. So it's not up to us to say you know an article with a two you should you should not read or we should censor it. No, absolutely not. And if you, it might be a very good article for you, or it might be uh, the same like with IMDb, a movie that has a very low score might be your most favorite movie. Um, what we try to do is to to give more context to the content and to make people a bit more aware of of what they are reading and sharing and engaging in.
0: Yeah, I love this as an application of how you're using what you've learned and your technology skills to try to solve a serious problem in our world. So I hope it gains a lot of traction. The website, it's it's Maven, M-A-V-I-N, right? The website is uh,
1: maven.org and at the moment we have uh, a browser plugin ready which allows you to to rate those articles anywhere. Um, Later this week we are launching a search engine uh, which allows you to find uh, COVID-19 related articles based on the quality of the article based on the likelihood it's fake news um, uh, based on sentiment, uh, based on number, uh, the bias in it. Um, so this is uh, uh, our MVP uh, and we hope that a lot of people will use it um, to find articles in a different way than you would normally do on,
0: on uh, the other, yeah the standard search engines. Yeah, it sounds great. Anywhere else you want to direct us to if people want to learn more about your work? Uh, Well,
1: you can uh, just go to maven.org to learn more about Maven or visit me on my LinkedIn profile to to read more about my, my books and
0: any of the couple of hundred articles that I've written in the past years. Yeah, great. Well, thanks, Mark, for being on the show. It's been fantastic to get to know you and to hear your perspective and to learn more about these types of things. So thanks for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you very much, Neil. It was a pleasure being here. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you think. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level 5 digital workplace. The music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.